program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, This show is uh, Absurd Psychology. I'm Dr. Gary Bell. Midlife crisis is what we're going to talk about. Going rogue. <laughs> and this is going to be an interesting episode for some of you. And some other you are going to go, wow, I've seen that, and that is ugly. <laughs> so uh, I like to start the show off with some fun things. So I, I saw some of the dumbest questions and observations on the Internet ever, and I thought I'd bring them to the show today. Uh, here's the first question. Can your baby get pregnant if you have sex while pregnant? Got to let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> what is Obama's last name? <laughs> I'm not against gay men, but how do their penises fit into each other? <laughs> what? Why have they created so many languages? Wasn't one enough? <laughs> I saw the dumbest elevator ever. It had a button for the floor I was on. And... I'm sick of the U.S. government. I'm moving to California. Screw the U.S. So those are some of the dumbest comments ever made on the Internet, at least that I could find. (laughs) All right, so today we're going to talk about uh, midlife crisis. And first of all, we want to define what is a midlife crisis. There are several different definitions of it. For me, I you know, I look at a midlife crisis as an evolutionary thing. It's something where a person is evolving. They're kind of reowning their life, trying to look and looking back in at it and try to make changes that are more appropriate. Um, but there are things that drive it. So here's some definitions. When a person regrets how they have lived his or her life, they they attempt to correct their mental state in a variety of ways, which usually can harm other people, uh, family members themselves, and Anybody that's close to them, I mean, because usually somebody in a midlife crisis wants to make great change, great upheaval of their life. And that means they make breaks in relationships, they change doing things that they used to be counted on, they lose trust with people, and uh, people question their judgment. And all of a sudden, their integrity uh, becomes at stake. And some of them are so desperate, they, they, they just don't care. They just throw everything out. And they try to start all over again. And that could be very destructive. And there's good ways to have a midlife crisis, and there's bad ways to have a midlife crisis. <laughs> you know, uh, psychologist Elliot Jacques uh, coined the term midlife crisis uh, way back um, about 40, 50 years ago, uh, referring to a time when adults realize their own mortality 
and how much time they may have left in their lives. And, and that's, that's true. I mean, death plays a big role in what people think of through their entire life. Sadly, you know, my thoughts on death is the last event that happens to you. So why focus on it? You really can't control it. And it's not why you want to be remembered. So what's the big deal? I mean, you die, you die. And uh, that's not how you want to be remembered is how you die. But other people will focus on death throughout the course of their life. And they look at their life and what they've done. And then they evaluate, is that the way I want to end it? And so they start making enormous changes and seeing other opportunities for themselves, which can be rather destructive or rather strange. Now, also, this can be a period of psychological stress that occurs in middle age. And it's thought, you know, middle age usually is 30 to 50. That's usually when we term a midlife crisis takes place. Sometimes it could be a little bit after 50. Uh, sometimes it could go on to 60. Sometimes it could be even a little earlier um, than 30. Unfortunately, it's, you know, the vast majority are, are in between that 30 to 50 window. You know, it, it's a period of psychological stress that uh, it's thought that it could be triggered by like physical uh, issues, uh, like out of shape, uh, occupational issues. I'm sick of my job, domestic events, uh, like, you know, your wife asks you for a divorce. Uh, husband a divorce, you know, somebody's had an affair, uh, children stop talking to you, children are no longer loving. I mean, all kinds of small things, well, they're big things, but all kinds of little events like that can take place and force a person at a tipping point to make new life decisions. You know, menopause for women can cause enormous uh, midlife crisis for them because suddenly they're uh, no longer going through their period, they're no longer fertile, and they've got to reimagine themselves as a woman. And that can be extremely stressful. Also, uh, uh, you know, physical prowess. If, if your physical prowess as a man or a woman is becoming more diminished, meaning you're becoming fatter and fatter, flabbier and flabbier, your body's no longer able to get in the shape that you were in when you were younger, Suddenly, looking at that in the mirror can be extremely devastating and scary. And some people that will throw into a midlife crisis, job loss, job loss in midlife, especially somebody who is more career oriented. This can be extremely life changing event for them. Um, you know, departure of children from the home uh, when kids go off to school and on suddenly uh, you spent your whole life living for them, doing everything for them. Even as a couple, your everything is focused on your children, and then suddenly they're gone. That can be an enormous stressor. You know, the midlife crisis is actually an attempt to restart life to better fit a person's heart, and uh, their heart may not be always in a good place, but it, it, it's it's trying to refit the soul with your human life to actually bring your soul in conjuncture with your human life so that you feel like you're on your soul's journey. And I know that sounds kind of ethereal, and it is in some ways, but in many ways I think a lot of you understand that. You know, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable because due to commitments that you've made prior to a midlife crisis, it isn't easy to resolve this inner conflict that a person feels. And what's important is, in a midlife crisis is to be able to adapt and adjust to it and to try to make it a part of you and try to help win others to, to, to be there and reinforce you and to be behind you in those positive changes. You know, in midlife adjustment, you, you know, you finally figured out, you know, you were sold a bill of goods in your youth. You did everything you thought was right to be classified as a responsible adult. 
And none of it has a thing to do with who you are right now. You know, I call that the 1840-60 rule, basically from 18 to 40. And I think Dr. Daniel Amen actually framed that, that phrase up. But the 1840-60 rule kind of goes like this. From 18 to 40, uh, you basically do everything you possibly can to make everybody go, wow, you, you're a great adult. Look, you have a house, vacation, you've got money in the bank, your children, you know, everything's going great for you. You've got a great job. Uh, look at your life. You've got retirement. You've got all these things to look forward to, you know. And, and we think that a lot of people take great pride in that. And they look at us and go, yeah. And they think about us all day long going, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, my, uh, my uh, brother is doing incredible. My son is doing such an incredible job. Well, yes, they do think those things, but they think about it maybe a half a minute a day at the most. And, and the truth is that when we do all these things to try to please all these people, we tend to find out that it really wasn't as important as we thought it was to them. And we're really not as important as we thought we were to all these other people. So at 40, at 40 what tends to happen is we wake up and go, I got to start doing things for me. Nobody really cares. I need to do things for me. And, and people don't really think about it. So what's the difference? And so basically, people start breaking out of their shells, stop doing the traditional things, start changing their life, start making new decisions. And basically, they find out people don't really care about that either. They're just like, wow, that's cool for you. But they don't think about us as much as possible as we think. And, and at 60, at 60, nobody thinks about us whatsoever. Now, I hate to say that, but that's practically the truth. At 60, people kind of let you go. And that is how it is in this country. Now, in other cultures, that's when the family surrounds you. And in some cultures, that's when everybody really pays attention. But in the United States, primarily, in this culture, we kind of let people go at about 60 and let them go their own way. And that is when a lot of elderly people turn into children and basically start making childish choices. And the reason they do that is because they no longer have to please anybody. And so that's kind of the cycle that we're looking at with a midlife crisis. Now, um, another thing that adjusts is you're, you're sick of worrying about consequences and what other people think. You realize, you know, you've got to live for you. You've got to start discovering who you are. And that may be entirely different than what you are today. You know, uh, uh, some people can take a career as an accountant and move into a singing career or becoming a, a, a manager of a rock group or something like that. I mean, people can make revolutionary change in their lives at any time. Also, you know, there is this nagging doubt that you'll never accomplish your bucket list and get away by action towards your dreams. You, you won't go towards your dreams. You won't hit that bucket list if you continue on the path you are on. You know, you start to rethink and retool your body image, attachments, the people you like, career, sex, family, and, and what fun actually is. These things are all reevaluated in the midlife crisis. You know, it often leaves in its wake a second chance to become the person we really want to be. And that I call, my friends, a great opportunity. A midlife crisis does not have to be a bad thing. A midlife crisis can be a great opportunity to make great changes, and hopefully it can be done delicately enough to bring the people you love with you. Some people take years to find their true selves. 
some people never even know who they were. And all of a sudden, they, all they know is all these people are getting in my way of discovering who I am, but I don't know who I want to be. What, it's kind of like going to college. You, you may decide you want to get a business degree, and then you find out you like marketing, and then you find out you like nursing. And then you find out you like uh, you know, to become a doctor. And you may change your major all through that college experience. But the point is you went to college. You jumped. You took a chance and you took an opportunity and you moved and you created momentum that created new opportunities. So sometimes it's not the step you take that is the most concrete step in a new direction. But that is the step that gets you to the next and the next and the next, which hopefully leads you to a better outcome. Okay. The other thing about a midlife crisis is it's a time of change, and it should be embraced. Many people hurt themselves and those they love by resisting change. Holding on to the past will tear a person and a family apart during a time of change. Oftentimes, the pain of resisting change causes people to revert back to old habits. So in this breakage, in this time of change, it's really important to get away, to get away from those ideas that lock us in and to actually tell people what we're doing and that we're exploring. And don't be afraid of change because that is how we evolve. Change is life. People that prevent change are coping with life. Life is change and it's important to embrace it. It doesn't mean it's where you're going to end up, but it's important to embrace the fact that you need to change. Something has to be different. You know, it's also a time to experiment with new perspectives. I've seen people in politics go from uh, liberals to uh, conservatives and conservatives to liberals and independents. I've seen people change from uh, hating different cultures to embracing different cultures. I've seen people move from being uh, extremely uh, you know, uh, uh, affiliated with certain uh, uh, religions and all of a sudden change their religion and move their life into a different direction. I've seen people make new friends, entirely new friends that have nothing to do with their past. And it, it's a breakage that for them gives them a new perspective on life. And that path uh, helps them make choices. And sometimes it, it's those unknown outcomes that are exciting. And suddenly life starts to stir up again. You know, I, I've seen people in midlife crisis you know, go through... Uh, unfortunately, go through divorces and lead to incredible outcomes sometimes where they've met somebody who truly is a better fit for them. Um, the adjustment is often needs to be difficult, is difficult, it needs to be done in therapy, it needs to be worked, but those outcomes actually can be wonderful uh, opportunities for those folks. It's also a time to reconnect to the freedom of the child, and, and that is the midlife where you will learn how to play again. You learn how to do things that are fun for you. And that is an important thing in a midlife crisis to embrace that, that inner child that has been stifled for so long where you're stuck in an adult model, you're stuck in a provider model, you're stuck in a married person model, and now you want to learn to have fun. And having fun could be developing a new hobby, going to sports events, it could be traveling, it could be all kinds of things that are self-exploratory. I've known some people that are very rigid, hard-nosed people suddenly go into yoga and they love it and it's changed their whole philosophy. And I think it's a great thing. You know, uh, it's also a time to break out of mismatched relationships. Mismatched relationships could be friendships that no longer work anymore. 
Mismatched relationships could be family that no longer supports you properly or loves you. Mismatched relationships could just be honestly agreeing that you and your partner are not right for each other, that you both need to discuss change. doesn't mean you make change, but it means that the discussion needs to happen so that the relationship can evolve. And if people get on the same page, hopefully that can be resolved without a divorce. However, sometimes it is a divorce, and sometimes it is for the better. You know, society is very scared of midlife crisis because usually people in midlife can be counted on, can be trusted. And if you want to make people psychotic, um, do things that they don't trust you and they will become psychotic. In the midlife crisis, sometimes you can't be trusted because now you're starting to make unpredictable decisions and people get very uncomfortable with that. They want to be able to count on you but at the same time, they can't because you're starting to break out and make new choices. If you know people that have gone through major change in midlife, they sometimes are unpredictable and unavailable. Sometimes their reactions are no longer the same. Suddenly their empathy for people and other types of people uh, uh, take place. And that's an important thing to understand. Also, you know, midlife and the midlife crisis is a time of mental, spiritual, and physical evolution. That means you're starting to embrace your spiritual life, you're starting to embrace your physical life and your mental. You're becoming sharper and you're becoming so much more opinionated. Character is the ability to make decisions and suddenly in midlife people start making decisions. That means they're defining their character. That means they're becoming their own person and that is an important thing to understand. The people that are indecisive you know, where do you want to go to dinner? I don't know. Where do you want to go? I don't, I don't want to. That kind of crap is, is for the birds in the midlife crisis. The midlife crisis person knows where they want to go. They know what they want to do. They are decisive. They're in a state where they're defining themselves. And that is a noble thing in our society. And I embrace the fact that people can at least begin to make choices. I wish everyone would do that at a younger age. Uh, true midlife transformation is a process that spans a lot of years. Most of these decisions can evolve into something that doesn't look so good on the beginning, but on the backside it becomes understood and wow, it was a good choice. Sometimes it's a long-term investment, this midlife crisis change. And, uh, you know, truth is some people just don't experience a midlife crisis at all. All right, we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back. We're going to look at the signs of people that are having a midlife crisis and go on into the exploration of how to work with it. So come on back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at svcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, so we're going to look at the signs of a midlife crisis. And this is important. You know, there's a lot of triggers for this thing, this midlife crisis thing. And uh, some of them uh, I'm going to highlight here because truthfully, people that experience trauma in some way in life, oftentimes will land right into the middle of a midlife crisis. They will go from straight stability one morning and they'll have a trauma and then suddenly they move themselves into this midlife crisis phase. Um, You know, recently experiencing something extremely stressful can do that. Stress can be triggered by bankruptcy, uh, can be triggered by your partner having an affair, triggered by... uh, uh, changing jobs, divorce, death of someone close. I can't tell you how many people that have never really experienced a close person in life dying, all of a sudden they're a changed person and their partner looks at them and goes, who are you? I don't understand you anymore. I understand what you've been through, but you're not the same person. And the truth is, anybody that goes through deep grieving, and I can tell you that myself because I've sure been through it, it'll change your thinking. It changes everything about your thinking. Um, you know, experiencing major illness, major illness or major being crippled uh, can really do a number on you, uh, especially if you recover from it and are able to move on with your life. Just going through that phase makes you look at the world in a whole new way. And people look at you differently in a whole new way by the way you're acting. Um, you know, looking in the mirror and no longer recognizing yourself. I, that's an unbelievable experience for people. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that look in the mirror and they go, wow, I'm not myself anymore. I have changed completely. I, I don't know who the heck I am. I look at myself in the mirror. I'm you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 pounds bigger than I used to be. I, I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. I've lost my hair. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm this, that, or the other. And they start to really come down on themselves. And that looking themselves in the mirror and going, I got to change, that can be revolutionary for people. You know, des- uh, desiring to quit a job and making that decision to quit a job without a net, without a choice, without a place to go, that is huge. And that can change people's thinking enormously. And, uh, you know, some people can fall into depression because they don't move on uh, from into that new phase of life or other people grab on to a new job, a new career, and redefine themselves and have a good time. And actually, the truth is, midlife crisis can happen several times. People can actually change over life and evolve who they are over a number of times over a lifespan. Also, also uh, you know, unexplained bouts of depression. Um, when doing tasks that you used to make you happy don't make you happy anymore, 
some people come into that. They that you know maybe they was they was happy providing for their children. You know, making uh, you know making dinner every night. Have you know have, spending time together, going to the ball games or whatever the children were doing, and then suddenly it's like, wow, this just doesn't feel the same anymore. I just I'm not into it, and sadly. Uh, people come to a sense of desperation once they repeat, 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 because every time they go back to that experience, it continues to be more miserable. And uh, so that can cause a midlife crisis. That can cause a change. Uh, change in habits. Activities which used to bring you pleasure are now boring. You're unable to complete or concentrate on tasks. If you're entering a phase of life where you just cannot grab yourself again and focus, that tells you you have got to change. Something in your life needs to change. And yes, there is counseling for that. Yes, there is therapy for that. You know, it, it, <laughs> wanting to run away from everything, I, I know how that feels. I mean, gosh, you know, life stressors just make you want to just throw your hands in the air sometimes and just run. And that itself is a red flag that you may be ready for a midlife crisis. Unexpected changes in allergies. Can you believe that? That is something that really indicates that a midlife crisis might be coming. Um, also, a desire for uh, physical free-throwing movement like running, biking, dance, uh, fast sports cars, uh, skydiving, you know, a number of things. Somebody that wants to break out of their life and start doing all these physical activities that are free-flowing, free-flowing, like swimming, this tells you that the person is ready to break out of their old life and start to embrace a new life when they want to do something different. Exploring new musical tastes, that is a sign of midlife crisis coming. You know, shifting sleep patterns typically to less sleep, uh, that is a sign of a midlife crisis coming about. You know, and somebody also thinking about death and worrying about the nature of death Somebody worried about that and, and ruminating over that will give you a sign that there is a midlife crisis coming along. You know, also seeing person buy new clothes, taking more time to look good, you know, changing their hair, um, desiring to be uh, surround themselves with different things, with different tastes, um, hanging out with different generations of people, restarting things. You drop. 20 years earlier can also be a sign of a midlife crisis. You know, uh, usually they're feeling trapped and tied down by physical responsibilities and, and their responsibilities to their family. So they're ready for change, ready for change. So here's ways to work a midlife crisis as a couple. You know, it's, start, it's about starting a new life. You and your partner are in midlife transformation. This means it's possible to start and build a fresh new trust between the partners to create a whole new relationship since you both are in transformation. So once one enters a midlife crisis, that means the other is going to have to change too. So that itself is a cue that the relationship itself needs to enter into that midlife change process. Once one goes, the other needs to go. If the other resists, then there can be some trouble there. Now, here's the process. Remove judgment. No one is guilty. These are instinctual changes that is, needs to be taken care of. And communication is everything. Being honest with each other about what you like and don't like about your life currently and what you want to change and don't want to change 
Open that communication gap and let it happen. Do not judge each other. Let each other understand each other's perception. Understand each other's fears. Hear them. Validate them. Don't defend. Let it run. Let it run its course. Let each other talk things out. And then you begin to make choices together. No one is making, no one's crazy. Everybody, everything needs to be on the table when you're communicating. Also, it is so important in entering this midlife as a couple is to release the relationship. All relationships. That means that no relationship no longer means the same thing as it used to, including your marriage. You guys have to redefine it. Redefine it for what you want it to be today, not what it was built on. That means that you're matching up. Okay, we're going to live the rest of our lives by ourselves. Our kids are gone. Now we have grandchildren. We need to redefine ourselves. And that is a phase that is so important. Also, redefining your relationship with your children, with your friends. You may have friends that are boring. Don't hang out with them anymore. Find some new friends that are more exciting, that have more in common with you, that embrace change. You know, a, a new friendship is a baseline for a new beginning. If you make new friends, you're going to change your life because they're going to influence you in a different way. Work with kindness. When people are in midlife and they want to change, it is extremely important to be empathetic and kind with people that want to change in midlife. That is a very scary time period, and the more empathetic and non-judgmental you are, especially if you're the partner of a person going through this, that is going to help. That is going to make each other grow together. That's going to build trust, not erode trust. And if time, if love reignites, then good. And if it doesn't, then help each other move on. You may grow apart during that time period. You may discover that both of you are too far removed from what you want in life. And that's okay. But you also want to be kind about it and embrace each other. You know, it's also this easy. It's, it, 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 well, actually, it isn't. You know, your overwhelming response that our society causes us to, to alarm on this guilt and shame involved in people wanting to make changes in their life is not a good thing. You know, we want to have all the answers of where you're headed when you want a midlife crisis, when you're in the middle of it, right away. And it's just not going to happen. You know, take the process and understand that it's going to take at least two years to grow within. And it takes time to grow and finds one nature and to begin to trust one's new direction. You know, a lot of folks have done funny things with their lives. Uh, they may, uh, you know, marry younger, marry older. They may uh, uh, move away. They may all of a sudden just go to Hawaii or go to Europe or do certain things like that. And uh, we have to recognize that that may be a dream that they have to, to, to do. And to hold them back from that may be not a good thing. Maybe the midlife crisis, the, maybe the scariest thing about it that I've seen is the fact that it's a time of experiential learning. And that means that a person needs to experience something bad, good, or indifferent, evil or not evil, however we want to label it. They need to be able to go out there and do their thing and actually take a chance. And that experiential learning can be extremely costly because what it does is, is it means it has no budget to it. It's not well thought out. And sometimes things happen that that uh, that person needs uh, more resources to get through it. But 
on the other hand, there's always something to learn. Every failure is an opportunity to learn, and so many people are afraid of failure. And uh, if you can move failure aside as a way to uh, stop yourself from doing things, suddenly your life is going to become a lot richer. Now, here's how to embrace the midlife crisis. Embrace it. Take it on. Understand that it's a good thing. Be honest with yourself. If a person is going through this, be honest. Make a list of what changes you want to make. You know, it's really important when people do this midlife thing that they actually start journaling. Because when you see your words on paper, they become real. And that's a very important uh, asset to have that information in front of you because suddenly you're not making impulsive choices. You're starting to watch yourself evolve. And when you see those words on paper, you understand, wow, that's really where my mind is. I know that uh, for a fact that sometimes when I enter a, a, a very frustrating phase in my life and I get very angry, what I'll tend to do is start journaling and writing. And by doing that, what's important is I start to see, ooh, that's how I really think. That's how I really, oh my God. You know, it blows your mind to see how you actually come across because what you write actually is oftentimes what you really think. Inner peace. Now, what is that? That means you forgive yourself for the things you cannot change in your life. And that is important. A lot of people do not understand how to forgive. And, and forgiveness is looking at yourself and going, yes, I made a bad choice. Yes, I did a terrible thing. But did I have a bad intention? And you have to examine that intention. And if you did have a bad intention, go back and apologize to whoever you have hurt for that bad intention. But the other thing is to understand that you've got to forgive yourself to move on. And those people who cannot forgive themselves often do not move through a midlife crisis. They stop and start, and they never really complete what they wanted to do. You know, uh, I hate to say this word, but, you know, you want to make a bucket list, and you want to also make a fuck it list. <laughs> and, uh, and things you want to do and how to do them and things you don't want to do in your life anymore are very important. Um, if there are people or places or things or uh, things in your life that you just got to get rid of, make that list of things you want to dump and put them on a rock, tie them on that rock, and throw them off a cliff and end them. That is so important when you're making a change. And you want, if you're going to go through a midlife crisis smoothly, you've got to make a bucket list of things you really, really want, which you've probably already thought quite a bit about. And then, then you have to make a list of the things you just don't want. And that could be relationships. That could be, uh, uh, that could be a job. That could be all kinds of choices that you just no longer want to deal with anymore. Also, many people, and it surprises me so much, people don't know what passion is or don't have a passion. And my God, if you're going to go through life without a passion, you're just not going to live. I mean, it's so important to understand what your brain migrates to. For me, I know it's crazy, but I'm passionate about hockey. I love hockey. Hockey and the Anaheim Ducks are my favorites. Hockey is a passion for me. Can I play it? No. But do I love to watch it? Absolutely. It is so much fun to watch it. Also, another passion for me 
is psychology. I love this field. I love helping people. It is a passion. To put yourself continuously in things that, you know, I have other passions and work that I do where I help people uh, repair things and fix things and, and uh, you know, think their way through problems. And, and that career is also a passion for me. The biggest passion for me is my family and my children. That is the unstoppable one. That's what I do everything for. I love my family and my children, my wife and my children. That is the greatest thing in the world. And to have, and I am so lucky, I've got a 15-month-old and an 8-year-old, and they are thriving. And to watch that is huge. And to uh, find your motivation to support that is huge. And uh, being a man at 51 years old with children that young, obviously, uh, hopefully I'll live to see them graduate. But uh, <laughs> that, that really is a life changer for me. And uh, I find it an uh, enormously gifted decision that I've made in my life. And it has been with everyone in my life th- thus far. Don't be afraid to seek help. Especially therapy can help because it's unbiased and it's confidential. This is important. You know, guys, nobody understands midlife crisis. It is an emotional decision based on a lot of facts and logic. And it's a very impulsive decision from the outside. But from the inside, it's, it's a tipping point. It's a moment where you're like, God, this has just got to stop. The way that my life is going is so dissatisfying. I have got to stop it, and I've got to make changes, and I've got to break out. And there's going to be people that just aren't going to like it. That takes courage. And it also takes good therapy because that is a place to strategize how to get through and muscle through that life change. Also, uh, some people can't afford it. They can't afford to have a midlife crisis. And so also therapy helps you manage that and the thoughts that are involved in in having that midlife crisis and, and the things you're going through so you can separate them so that someday you can set the stage to be able to blossom and take on those new things that you want to change and those new life decisions. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a break in a few minutes. We're going to, or in a minute, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about some famous people uh, before and after they became famous. We're going to talk about how to reinvent ourselves. And we're also going to talk about all kinds of different things about opportunities and change in life in the midlife crisis. Come on back. Thanks for joining. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. 
You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, so here we are. We're going to talk about uh, people before they were famous. Uh, You know, Walt Disney's uh, Disneyland is celebrating a 60-year anniversary starting today. And uh, I think it's incredible that that park since 1959, maybe 58, has uh, grown into what it is. It is an amazing place. Excuse me, 1955, obviously. And, uh, I, you know, my wife and I and our family, we're, we're season pass holders because we just love going there and taking our family. It's a great time. And uh, obviously, I live in Southern California, so it's easy to get there. But uh, Walt Disney, Walt Disney was a newspaper editor... Dreams didn't always come true for Walt. The founder of Walt Disney Company started out as a newspaper editor but was apparently fired because he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. <laughs> I, think, I think somebody else lacked imagination, and that was probably the people that hired him. <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres was a paralegal, and an oyster shucker. <laughs> Before being named Showtime's Funniest Person in America in 1982, comedian and TV host Ellen DeGeneres held these two much less glamorous jobs. <laughs> Harrison Ford was a carpenter. He was a carpenter until George Lucas came along because he saw him in uh, um, his performance in American Graffiti. He might have produced that show and uh, or that TV, uh, excuse me, that movie. And by the way, that movie was an incredible movie uh, with a lot of stars that we see today uh, that are very aged and a lot different uh, than they were during the time of that. But that was a revolutionary film, American Graffiti. And George Lucas saw him in that and he uh, cast him in Star Wars, that little movie called Star Wars. And that made uh, Harrison Ford hit the screen, and uh, people started to see him more than just Star Wars, and he's, his talent has continued to evolve, even into a plane crash on a golf course in California. All right, now, uh, Ken Jong, you may not know who this guy is, but he's best known as Mr. Chow from The Hangover. Ken Jong was a doctor, and he became an actor and a comedian and, but he first, before doing that, earned his uh, MD from the University of North Carolina and had a uh, private practice. In 2007, after a string of uh, like stand-up jobs, uh, Zhang made his first feature film debut and knocked up as, what else? A doctor. <laughs> Andrea Bocelli was a lawyer. Andrea Bocelli, after graduating with a law degree from the University of Pisa, worked as a defense attorney until age 34 when he left his job to sing full-time. Can you believe that? One of the most beautiful voices on the planet 
didn't even start his musical career until he was 34 years old and was a lawyer. Sylvester Stallone was a deli counter assistant and a lion cage cleaner before stepping into the boxing ring. Rocky. Uh, actor Sylvester Stallone was earning $1.12 an hour uh, cleaning the Central Park Zoo lion cage, among some other not-so-glamorous jobs. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg put makeup on dead people. Before her big break in 1985, Goldberg worked to it as a funeral parlor, applying makeup to dead people. Here's the last one, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt was a limo driver for strippers. Yes, Brad used to drive strippers to and from bachelor parties. Before this, he also dressed up as a giant chicken and stood outside of El Pollo Loco restaurant waving at cars. It's amazing those live person signs out there. You never know what may happen to those folks who stand on the corner listening to their music, dancing, and acting like crazy people with signs. They may be the next Brad Pitt. Okay, now here's how to reinvent yourself. Visualize your new future. That is huge. Uh, reflect on changes that you want to make. Before you jump into reinventing yourself, you need to slow down, reflect, and spend some time writing down your thoughts. Ask yourself why you want to reinvent yourself and what you want your future to look like. If you do not have a direction, you will just wander the earth and never get anywhere. If you want to know where you're headed, it doesn't mean that's where you're going to end up, but you want to know where you're headed when you make a start. And that is one strong thing to reinventing yourself because people can buy into you because they know where you're headed. Create a game plan for making those changes. Write dates down on the calendar and make a commitment to make those dates. Stay motivated. Motivated means that you want to Get closer to reinventing yourself. You want to stay positive, and you want to keep moving even when you don't feel like it. If you're not feeling like it, doesn't mean you don't still want to change. What you have to do is just keep walking. And a lot of people will base their decisions of motivation on how they feel. I'm sorry, if I woke up in the morning and thought, I don't want to go to work, and that's how I felt, and I lived my life that way, I probably wouldn't have a job. So the deal is, you cannot continue to change if you base yourself on how you feel you just need to continue marching because you did it for a reason and you need to trust yourself that you want to change all the other thing is uh share your plans with other people don't keep it to yourself it's not a secret you know when you want to make a change like change your weight or change your life make it start sharing it start telling everybody what you're going to do and start doing it the other thing is you really got to look at yourself in the mirror and address your flaws. And that takes a lot of courage. But that you want to improve the way you think. Reinvention starts at the mind. You don't want to be able to reinvent yourself if you're stuck in the same old thinking. You're not going to reinvent yourself if you do that. You want to also change the way you interact with people. You know, I, I, I look at my uh, grandmother who uh, had enormous amounts of friends and she just sat in a uh, wooden chair, a wooden rocking chair, and she, she just basically didn't move very much. But friends would just come over to her house all the time. And the reason they did that was because when she talked to them, 
she would remind them what great people they are. She never criticized anybody. She always would talk to the good in people and tell them what great people, even if they were the dregs of the earth, she would still try to remind people how, what great people they are. And people thrived on that. They would come to her house just to get, you know, they were having a bad day. They come to her house, talk to her, and all of a sudden they were having a great day. And she had that effect on people. And I saw personally how the way she interacted with people would change people's life and change her relationship with the people around her be a better husband or wife be a better partner be a better if you're gay be a better partner you know that's the deal don't be a deadbeat partner be somebody that works with your partner cares about your partner and loves your partner thinks about the things that your partner loves and doesn't love it is extremely important to be focused on your partner's needs as long as as well as your own. Also, be a better employee. If you work for other people, don't resent it. If you have not built a life where you own your own business and you work for other people, you need to have a good relationship. You know, you spend more time at work more likely than you do at home. Those people are your family too and you need to treat them like a family. That's important. If you're a boss, you want to treat them like your children. They, not, not literally like your children, but the deal is you want to care about them in that way and care about their life in that way. And I don't mean don't make them effective employees, but you don't have to make them miserable. Be a better citizen. You know, Go out in the world and actually care. Don't throw your stuff on the road. Don't throw, throw, not throw your stuff in the trash. Recycle. Do things that are responsible. You'll suddenly start feeling better about yourself because you're taking care of the environment. You may not expect everybody else to, but you're setting a good example. Also, improving your health. You know, people live a suicidal life all the time, all the time. They uh, live and eat like pigs and don't take care of themselves. They overdrink. They don't exercise. They they don't take care of themselves. It doesn't take much for us to walk out in society and see a lot of people who are on their way out simply because the way they take care of themselves. Um, and that's a sad thing, but health is everything, especially in this life. You only got one. It's a great idea to go out there and try to make your health as good as you possibly can. It doesn't mean you're muscular. It doesn't mean you're super strong. It doesn't mean you're super great to look at. Health means that you exercise and take care of your inner self, your body. And if you take care of your body, you're going to take care of your mind. Also, exercise reduces stress, and that's a good thing. The other thing is I can see people that get more ignorant and more ignorant as the years go by, and that's because they stop learning. A lot of people, get as they get older, they stop learning. And I'm sorry, it's not hard to learn. And you're not going to learn by watching the news every night. And you're not going to learn by watching the History Channel. And le not going to learn by sitting around watching the Cooking Channel. Yes, you'll learn a few th small things. But that's not always in tune with who you really are. It's more important to try to improve your education. That means the people around you, the people you interact with, may actually be enormous resources. One of the most important resources in your life are older people. If you have older people in your life, grandma, grandpa, uh, you know, any, anybody that's of age where they've experienced a whole different generation of life have a lot to teach you, yet they're never asked. And it's so important to learn from them before they pass. The stories that they have to tell may be amazing stories 
that you will carry on to your children and they will pass on to their children. There are things to learn from people that are older and wiser than you and people with other experiences. Conversations are some of the best ways that we can be educated. Um, people are our best ways to be educated. You don't have to go to a university to be, to be educated. You just have to be curious about other people. You know, reading more is an awesome thing. I read a magazine. I'm not trying to, to advertise it. It's called The Bottom Line. Bottom Line has no advertisements in it, and it is a great uh, resource of learning um, because it covers all facets of life. And, and my mother gave me a prescrip- or, uh, the prescription to that, or subscription, sorry, uh, when I was in high school. And uh, here at 51 years old, I still get that magazine. And I give it as a gift to employees and people that I know, friends and, and stuff like that, because I know that that education is important to them. Um, learn to focus like a laser. And that is so hard for people. But if you can live in the now and focus on what you're reading or what you're learning, you're going to enjoy life and absorb more of life and have more to talk about. But you have to have focus. And you've got to learn to focus. And uh, things like meditation and yoga are very helpful with learning to teach the brain to do that. Also, change the way you look. Change the way you talk. Change what you do. Change your environment if you have to. But these are ways to reinvent yourself, and they're very important. Now, here's how to accept change. Ann Lou uh, writes a blog, and I love her blog, and, and I'll embellish a little bit about it here, but this is about change, and, and, and she actually makes it pretty simple and easy. It begins by accepting life is a journey of discovery that change is part of that journey. It's a, it's a journey of discovery. And that's how you should look at life. Most people know this, yet change is often resisted. Why? The reason is simple. Once someone has become comfortable with the way things work, the status quo, they naturally find it hard to embrace something different, a foreign element. Doing so would mean they instantly become less competent, effective, and efficient. Be bold. Make a jump. In today's world, this is a globalized marketplace. We cannot afford to live in a funnel, in a silo, where we're unable to see the world. You want to embrace change, and you want to override your instinctive reaction to run the other way. You want to adopt a new mind and look change as a not a threat, but an opportunity. And often, the habitual internal thoughts and dialogues that cause you to stop will enable you if you overcome them, to take on a much new, much more valuable life. And that is becoming aware and mindful of your limiting thoughts, and then you can correct them and start embracing the changes in your life with greater positivity. And this is huge, guys. This is huge. We are our own worst enemy. All right, so that's our show. Absurd Psychology comes back next Friday at 1 p.m., 4 p.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Pacific, excuse me, 4 p.m. Eastern. And that will be on Anger Management, The Divine Comedy. I want to thank everyone for listening. I tape these shows live. I hope some of you consider calling. I would love to hear from you and get your feedback. My email is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or Twitter is at drgbmft. 
Now I want to say, remember, there's a new crisis. Doctors are reporting that many men are having allergic reactions to latex condoms. They say they cause severe swelling. <laughs> that was actually Phyllis Diller that said that. You know you're in a midlife crisis when your children and your clothes are the same age. All right, so those are the two points to be made. Once again, next week is anger management. I want you to join us on Absurd Psychology. Thank you. Have a great weekend. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. We'll be right back.